After we've discussed the mitzvah of Kiddushin, the idea of how you do Ewesin Nesuin, the week of Sheva Brachas, and Shanari Shona, the first year of marriage, today we'll begin the topic of life after marriage, specifically the mitzvah of Puravu. The Torah told us in a number of places there is a mitzvah pu'urvu. The simplest source would be the very beginning of the history of the world when HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to Adam v'chava v'yevarech otam elokim v'yomer lehem elokim pu'urvu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu blessed them and said to them may you be, multiple, may you be fruitful and multiply. The Chinuch therefore enumerates this mitzvah as the first mitzvah in the list of the 613 mitzvahs. And the source, of course, is from this very Pasuk. The Chinuch goes on to explain, as is his custom, the Shorish HaMitzvah, the idea behind the mitzvah. And he says, the purpose is that the world should be settled. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants the world to be populated. And he quotes the famous Pasuk in Yeshayahu, Lotou b'ra'ah l'shevet Yitzara. HaKadosh Baruch Hu did not create the world just for a vacuum, for nothing. He created it for the purpose of inhabiting it. The Chinuch also awards a certain amount of points, as it were, to this particular mitzvah. He said, He mitzvah gedola. It is a very important mitzvah. Shebesibata mitkayemet mitkaymot kol mitzvot ba'olam. Because basically, this mitzvah is the root of fulfilling any other mitzvahs. Because the mitzvahs were given to humans, not to angels. And the only way, of course, that we can have mitzvahs in this world is if we have people. So people are prerequisite in order to fulfill the wish of the Torah. So it's a very great mitzvah. When we say it's a great mitzvah, what does that mean? It's called mitzvah rabba, mitzvah gedola. Is there any purpose to designating such a, a special significance to this mitzvah? So there is a halacha that's based, I'm sure there's more than one halacha, but there's at least one halacha that's based on the assumption that it's a very important mitzvah. The Mishnah Megillah says, Amr Rabbi Yochanan Mishum Rabbi Meir, Mishnah Megillah Daf Chavzayin Aleph, Ain mochim sefer Torah elalilmo Torah olisa isha. The Gemara says there that you're not allowed to sell a sefer Torah. A sefer Torah has kedusha, and you're not allowed to say, sell a sefer Torah only for certain purposes. One of them is to learn Torah. The Gemara has a discussion whether you're allowed to sell a sefer Torah to ransom someone pidyon shvuyim, but it's clear that you're allowed to sell a sefer Torah in order to get married. And the Gemara says, the explanation there on the on Megillah, Dafchav Zayin, is because of the Pasuk Nishayahu, Lotol Bra Since God created the world for this purpose, therefore it's such an important mitzvah that you were even allowed to sell a Sefer Torah. Later on we'll discuss that really there's two parts to this mitzvah. There's the mitzvah Daraisa, there's the Halacha of the Torah, but besides the halach of the Torah, which has perhaps exact limits, there will be a mitzvah Rabbanan. And that mitzvah Rabbanan is based on the Pasuk Nishayahu. Lotob Baruch created the world in order to be populated. 
Interestingly enough, when the Mishnah said you were allowed to sefer, sell a Sefer Torah for the purpose of, of propagation, it uses that, the Pasuk in Yeshayahu and does not use, use the Pasuk in Bereshis. In Bereshis, the Torah just says, Vatempu But the Pasuk in Yeshayahu emphasizes the fact that the creation of the world depends upon the idea of Puravu. Loto Bura means that created the world in order to, for the world to be populated. The Mishnah in Yevamos has a machlokas as to whom as to whom is this chiyuv addressed to. The Mishnah says in Yevamos, Dafsamechet Beizamet Beiz, Haish Mitzuve Alpiria Verivia Avalohaisha. Only men are obligated in this mitzvah, and not women. Rabbi Yochanan and Broca said it was addressed to both of them. The, the Pasuk said pru or vu. Adam and Chava together were told pru or vu, so it seems to be in the, in, in the plural. So both Adam and Chava are involved in, the, in this mitzvah. Now when I say involved in the mitzvah, people might sort of laugh at me. Of course, men and women are involved in the mitzvah. And even according to the Tanakama, who says that women are not required to have the children, it's not a mitzvah on the women, it's a mitzvah on man. For sure, a woman is involved in the mitzvah. Obviously, biologically, she's involved. But beyond that, she also fulfills the mitzvah of pu'urvu. The Gemara in Kedushin that we've quoted before, Dafmem Aleph, says that the phrase mitzvah ba yosem e it's better for a person to be involved in a mitzvah by themselves rather than arrange for something to be done through a proxy apply, applies to Kedushin as well. We've already quoted the Ran there that said even if a woman might not be commanded on the mitzvah of Kedushin per se, but nevertheless she's certainly involved in the mitzvah and she certainly fulfills the mitzvah and therefore in such a case we would say mitzvah ba yosem e as well. It's better for her to do it. Last week we discussed any mitzvah that requires two people to perform. Even though one person is obligated, but it could be in a certain sense, the other one is automatically obligated, although there is no direct obligation. But since the mitzvah cannot be accomplished without the help of a second person, so in a sense the second person is also somewhat obligated. We mentioned last week a number of examples. For example, the opinion of the Sefer Charedim, that by Birchas Koanim, the Kohen is required to give the bracha to the people, but nevertheless, the Sefer Charedim thought there's a mitzvah on the Jews, on the Yehudim, on Yisraelim, not on, only on the Kohenim, but also on Yisraelim, to receive the bracha. Now, of course, it's good to get a bracha, but to say that you're mechuyev, somehow you're obligated to get the bracha, may be as predicated upon the assumption that since the Kohen cannot do this mitzvah without having Yisraelim present, so in a certain sense, the Israelis also required to do this mitzvah. So even according to Tanakhama, when I say that a Mishnah, the woman is not obligated, she does, certainly does not have the same obligation as the man, but of course she fulfills the mitzvah pruravu, and in a certain sense we might say she's even somewhat commanded to do this mitzvah. Now the Gemara goes through this machlokas ha'atanoim and tries to see the source for it. The Gemara says, what is the reason for Tanakame who thinks that women are not required to do the mitzvah pu'ervu? So the Gemara quotes the Pasuk and Breshis. When the Torah told Adam and Chava to 
have children to propagate the world, they use the phrase You should fill the land and dominate it, conquer it. And the Gemara says It's not the custom of, of women to be dominant, to go out. And therefore, when the Torah said the entire sentence, you should ha- have children and dominate the world, conquer the world, so it does not refer to women, it only refers to men who seem to be more domineering. The Gemara goes on, backwards, the word means two people. Is in Hebrew is plural. You should conquer it. So the Gemara says, it's as if it says V'kipshah. Even though we pronounce it V'kipshuah, since it's written with Adavav, it's as if the sentence was said to Adam only, and not to Chava. Rabbi Yosef says, I have another source. Because it says in the Torah, Ani kel shakai, pray When HaKadosh Baruch Hu spoke to Yaakov, he said, Ani kel shakai, pray Now pray is singular. It doesn't say in the plural, it says to Yaakov. So therefore, the mitzvah is only given to men and not to women. In fact, this mitzvah of pu'ervu is stated basically in the Torah in three different places. The first one is in Gan Eden, as we quoted in the Mishnah. The second time is when Noach comes out of the Teva, it says that Vayavarech as Noach Vazbanav, the bracha was given to Noach and his sons, and he told them Pu'ervu. And the third time, of course, is with Yaakov, the Pasuk we just quoted, Pre'ervu. So, according to the opinion that we learn from Pre'ervu, that we learn from Yaakov, the question would be obvious. Why do we choose to learn from Yaakov? Why don't we learn from, from Adam V'chava? Tosus in Yuvamis there asks that question, and he says, even though it says to Adam Arishon Pu'ervu, that's a bracha and not a commandment. When the Torah said Vayevarech Otam Alokim, it's a bracha. I gave you a bracha that you should have children and conquer the world, dominate the world, but it's not an obligation. When it was told to Yaakov, it was told in the form of an obligation, and since it was told in the singular rather than a plural, so we learn that Yaakov and his male descendants are in Pu'ervu, to the exclusion of women. However, the Meshachachma, Reb Meir Simcha, has another perush on these three commandments, as it were, in the Sefer Bereshis, and I think it's one of the most brilliant comments that we've seen in the in the Meshachachma. The Meshachachma points out that when the Mishnah said women are not obligated to have children according to Tanakhama, it's not just an idea that uh, we, we explain the Pasuk one way or another. The Meshachachma says in Breshis an assumption. The Torah has in it Mishpatei Hashem Udrachav Darchei Noam V'chol Nativotei HaShalom The Pasuk, of course, that we know Durachea Darchei Noam means the ways of Torah are pleasant. Its roads are peace. Says the Meshachachma, the Torah 
never place the burden on the Jewish body, something that's too difficult to accept. He gives an example that the fast days were about to have a fast day of Asar Bateves. But he's, these are rabbinic fast days. He says there's only one day a year that the Torah required us to fast. And that is a difficult physical concept, to fast the day. So he said, even though the Torah felt one day you should fast, they commanded you to eat prior to the fast. There's a mitzvah to eat Erev Yom Kippur. And the Meshachachma's assumption is the mitzvah to eat Erev Yom Kippur is to prepare yourself in order that it shouldn't be that difficult to fast on Yom Kippur. And the assumption being that the Torah would never place a physical burden on a person that seems somewhat almost beyond the capacity of people. And he goes on to, to give other examples of where the Torah realized human frailty and the Torah told people how to behave knowing that the ways of Torah must be pleasant. So he goes on to say that women have a difficult time in labor. In fact, it, it is life-threatening. After a woman gives birth, she, bake, she makes her gomel. There is a certain amount of risk in childbearing. And certainly pregnancy is difficult. And bearing the child is even more difficult. The assumption of Rameir Simcha is the Torah could not require a woman to undergo such an ordeal. God, in his infinite wisdom, created the man and woman in a situation in the, where women have a natural desire to have children, perhaps even more than men. We found that when Rachel felt she could not have a child, she turned to Yaakov and said, Havalivanim, give me children. Vim ayin meita anochi. If not, I'm considered as dead. Rachel verbalized her feelings that a woman without children is not really alive. Women have this innate maternal feelings. They want to be, mother, to be mothers. So he said, on one hand, the Torah could not command it. But we need not worry how will the world be propagated because women will have children because of their desire. But then he points out, so why did the Torah say, Pru Urvu? Why did the Torah say, Pru Urvu, to Adam and Chava? And his answer is quite brilliant. When Adam and Chava were commanded to have children, that was before Chet HaKadmon. That was not before the sin. At that time, childbearing would have been a simple process, uh, the equivalent of brushing your teeth. It would not have been considered a difficult thing and certainly not laborious and not painful and not dangerous. At that point in time, a man and woman could be created equally could be and, com- and could be commanded equally to have children. It's not against the principle of Drachea Darchi Noam. However, after the Chait, when 
the Torah said Be'etzev tell dibanim. When the Torah said the a, a, a curse Be'etzev tell dibanim, the child bear, bearing will be very difficult. Then the Torah could no longer require women to fulfill this mitzvah. The next two times it says in the Torah the mitzvah of having children. It says Hakadosh Baruch Hu said to Noah and his children. Noach and his sons, Noach Ubanav, males are obligated in this mitzvah. But we could no longer obligate women. And therefore, when it speaks to Yaakov, it says to Yaakov, prayer of A. Yaakov in the singular, Yaakov as the male. But the only reason the Torah did not command women is because it's, it's very difficult. But on the other hand, before it had become difficult, the women and men would have been equally required to do this mitzvah. We see from here a very interesting concept that the mitzvah of Puravu, Tosfus calls it a bracha, let's remember. According to the Meshachachma, you need not learn that it's a, a bracha. It's indeed a mitzvah. But the mitzvah is given to Adam and Chava, but it was somehow changed after the Dar Hamabul, after the flood, when, when Noah was told the mitzvah not anymore to women, just to men. But in a deeper sense, the mitzvah of Puravu that was given to Adam is also essentially different than the mitzvah of Puravu that's given to Noah. Noah, Adam Arishon lived in Gan Eden, in an idyllic world, in a world of innocence, in a world of naivete, in a world where all their needs would be taken care of, and their world could be based on the simple concept of of Shamra, to take care of what you have. But you need not go out and work that hard for a living. All the klalot, all those curses that were given to Adam and Chava after the sin did not apply in Canadian. The world is perfect. A person might very well say, the mitzvah that was given to Adam and Rishon is to have children in Canadian. In that society, in that system, of course I'd want to have children. The same way that I want to live and enjoy my life, I'd love to have my life continued and see my children prospering and doing well. However, after the chait, when basically we see the world is corrupt, and we see there is one mabul, one type of flood, and there could be other types of floods. All kinds of chamas, chamas, the world is filled with some sort of injustice. And a person might very well question, is it really worth having children in this world? Let's remember that historically there were times when Jews decided not to have children. Rahman al-Islam, God forbid, in very dire situations, and as a result of very difficult times, many people said that they don't want to bring children into such a world. Therefore, the Torah commanded us after the Mabul again, it's not just that the mitzvah was given to Adam Bechava and Gan Eden. In this world, even in our world, where somehow we question the beauty of the world and we find all kinds of travai and angst in the world, nevertheless, HaKadosh Baruch Hu told us the mitzvah of Pruervu. The mayor simply goes on to explain even deeper another reason why women are exempt from this mitzvah. He said, because, remember, we based ourselves on the assumption, the ways of the world are pleasant. If a man and a woman would be married together, according to biblical law, and he 
is required to have children. But God does not bless them with children. Let's say that the lady goes to the doctor and he determines that she is not capable of having children. What would the husband do who loves his wife very much? And what would she do? According to biblical law, which is kind of difficult for us to fathom today, a man is allowed to marry more than one wife. The concept that I said today would be kind of difficult for us to understand would be that the wife under such a circumstance would encourage her husband to have another wife in order to have children. We've seen this, of course, in Tanakh, uh, Rachel, Leah, would want their husband to have children. In the time of Tanakh, this could be done. So a man need not divorce the woman whom he loves, whom they've built a lovely life together, in order to have children. He simply would take another wife and we would assume somehow that it doesn't affect their own relationship. On the other hand, if the same scenario would be portrayed backwards, a couple's married, they're very happily married for a long time, and then they determined they had no children, and they determined that the husband is not capable of having children. Since a woman is not allowed to have two husbands, for whatever reason that that might be, which is not our issue today, but since a woman is not allowed to have two husbands, they would have to get divorced in order, in order for her to fulfill her mitzvah. And that would be a contradiction of the concept of the ways of the Torah pleasant. How could we require someone to divorce his wife because she wants to have children and she can't marry another man? So the Meshachachma uses that as another argument why women are not required to have children, but men are. Of course, throughout Jewish history, there have been laws. If a couple cannot have children, what should they do? There was a custom that if a couple is married 10 years, at that time, they probably could not decide who was the problem, which one of them had this particular problem that could not, they could not have children. But there was a custom to get divorced after a certain amount of time. Today, to the best of my knowledge, this custom is hardly done anywhere. But today, of course, there are many medical solutions and people even resort to adoption when they really want to have children. But the point that Simcha made is that we cannot force someone to divorce his wife in order for her to fulfill the mitzvah of Purvu. If they agree between them, if all kinds of takanos that were made because of Chaimdur ben Gershon, because now we no longer have this law that a husband can marry two wives, we accept, of course, the opinion, the, the ban of Rabbi Gershom that a husband can have one wife, a wife can have one husband. So then all kinds of laws and questions can be raised. This mitzvah Purvu, we said, is incumbent upon men and not in women. This is the final psakalacha as we pass in like Tanakama as opposed to Rabbi Yochum and Broka.
The Mishnah in Kedushit in Yevamos then goes on to say how many children are really required in order to fulfill this mitzvah. The Mishnah in Yevamos says Lo Yevatel Adam the Mishnah Yevamis on Paragvav Halachavav, the Mishnah says a person should not refrain from the mitzvah puravu unless he already has children. Now, how many children? The word banim here could be interpreted as sons, but it could be interpreted as children. How many children do you have to have? So the Mishnah has a machlokas hatanoi. In the Mishnah itself, there's a machlokas. Beshamay says two males. Beisila says you have to have one male, one female. Beisila quotes their source as Zachar Nekeva Bra'am. From the very creation of the world. The world was created with Zachar Nekeva. So therefore, as it were, a new creation of the world, done by humans rather than by God himself, would be to emulate the original creation, and to have a son and one daughter. But Beishamai said two sons. That obviously requires a source. Now, it's obvious to us that two sons cannot really fulfill the mitzvah pur vu in the, in the sense that they'll, they can't have children, but don't worry. If they're Tuzlachayim, for sure there'll be other women in the world, and somehow they'll find their mates appropriately. But where does Beishama get the concept of two children from? So the Gemara says that he learned it from Moshe Rabbeinu. Because Moshe had two sons. Now that seems very strange. It's true that Moshe has two sons. Many people have two sons, maybe about seven sons. But what does that prove? So the Gemara says it proves it from one point. Moshe Rabbeinu had two sons, and then Parash Menesha. Then according to one way of interpreting Moshe separated himself from his wife Tzipora. And of course, that was the source of the complaint of Miriam, according to some interpretations, that she spoke, She spoke about the fact that Moshe separated himself from his wife. Uh, other interpretations learned differently, but apparently this Gemara is learning that Moshe did separate himself from his wife, and the question is raised, how could he do it if he did not fulfill the mitzvah pu'ervu? So obviously you can fulfill the mitzvah pu'ervu by having two children. Beis Hillel says, no, what Moshe did was his own decision. It's true that occasionally Moshe did things and HaKadosh Baruch Hu approved of them. But Moshe was not told that you can fulfill the mitzvah pu'ervu by having two sons. He decided, for what for the reason that's going to be explained in a moment, that it would be appropriate for him to sell, to separate himself from his wife. But at the end, Hakadosh Baruch Hu did agree to, agree to that. Rashi in Yevamos points out because of the shechina, because Moshe lived with Hakadosh Baruch Hu as it were almost. Panim al panim. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu's relationship with Mo, to Moshe was so direct, was so automatic, that Moshe could speak to HaKadosh Baruch Hu whenever he felt in a direct way. So Moshe was given a special, perhaps, commandment 
or at least he intuited that commandment, and the Kodesh Baruch approved of it, that he should separate. But Rashi then says, But no other man would be allowed to do that. Moshe was unique in the fact that he separated from his wife after having two sons. Beishamai says, Oh, that proves that that's all you require for Pruervu. And Beisila said, No, Moshe Rabbeinu did it with his own understanding. And it's Chua Kodesh Baruch who agreed, but that's only for Moshe Rabbeinu. Interestingly enough, this mission is very well known. But later on, the Gemara quotes other sources for the amount of children required to fulfill the mitzvah pruervu. And the Gemara there on Daf Samech Aleph says an opinion that Beishamai requires two, two zecharim, uh, two males <coughs> and two females. <coughs> In other words, there's another tradition, how many children you really require. According to Beishamah, you require four. Amr Avuna, my time with Rav Nathan. Hevel v'achoto, Kain v'achoto. Some say because in the creation of the world, Hevel with his sister, Kain with his sister, there were four. Be, there's another opinion in Tanya Idach. Rabbi Nathan, Amr, Beit Hillel, Mim Zachar, Beit Hillel says, all you require is one child. Where did they get that from? Because because the Pasuk said the world was not created in vain, as long as it was not created in vain. So we actually have a number of opinions. We have one opinion that according to Basil you only need one child. We have another opinion that according to Basil you need two children, one boy and one girl. We have an, appoint, appointment, an, an opinion that according to Beishamai you require two sons. Another requires two sons and two daughters. What's really the difference? We'll, later in Mirz Hashem, next week, we'll discuss the continuation of Pu'ervu, the mitzvah of Sheves. But the basic uh, difference would be the approach to any discussions about birth control will be based upon the fact, or at least one of the factors involved will be has a person fulfilled the mitzvah Pu'ervu or not. The questions of birth control obviously are important questions to discuss within the context of the mitzvah pu'ervu. However, we send out our broadcast to the entire world. People hear our shiurim all over. I think that the issues of birth control are an issue that are is more appropriate to speak in person because many people will somehow misinterpret or think that this particular situation refers to them. Although I feel what we're doing in the world of spreading Torah throughout the world, through our KMTT, is very important and we get very important feedback. We encourage people to support this system of sending broadcasts throughout the world. But nevertheless, there are certain issues, Shatzniyut, that it, in this issue perhaps should not be discussed on the on the wavelengths, but rather should be discussed in person. So we have discussed theoretically how many children a person requires to fulfill the mitzvah of Puravu. But next week we will discuss a continuation of that mitzvah, a mitzvah called Shevet.